And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The legend of Mike F. White was oh so close to jumping to a new level. Instead, the Jets take a gut punch loss in Minnesota. Now face a rematch with the Bills coming up on Sunday. This is Can't Wait, the Athletics Jets podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Dunn. Location check this week, guys. Uh, I think I'm winning. I'm in San Diego for oh, baseball's man. winter meetings. Uh, I did walk through a light mist this morning mm. to get over to uh, the main tough hotel. Life. But, tough life. But uh, but we ate dinner outdoors last night, <laughs> and it's supposed to be I did not. High, high 60s and sunny as the uh, the cloud burns off today. So with that said, Zach, where are you? How's the weather where you are? <laughs> not great. It is up to like 20-something this morning in Minneapolis. Um <laughs> When I when I arrived, it was ten degrees, uh, and it just like you walk outside and it's just, like free. It feels like it just hits you in the face in a way that I, I was saying to another writer, I need one of those Michael Clemens uh, beanies where it covers your face too, because my face was like freezing. So, not loving it here. Can't wait to get back to the great weather of New Jersey. Um, I'm not sure how it is in Cleveland, but it's uh, Marissa. Cleveland, Cleveland, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. It's I mean, yeah. it's Cleveland in December. What do you yeah. expect? It's not San Diego, <laughs> but we're happy for you, Tim. You deserve a lot of sunshine over there. <laughs> uh, just make I will sure say, that Aaron Judge comes back a Yankee because if if nothing, if that doesn't happen, then I don't know. Then well, I, I will have to quit this podcast or just quit life. <laughs> <laughs> I will get a quick plug in. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, you obviously like the Athletics podcast. Uh, check us out on the Athletic Baseball Show all week. We're going to be having coverage from the winter meetings here in San Diego. And also check out the baseball YouTube page. Uh, that's YouTube dot com slash at the athletic baseball show we're going to have reports from ken rosenthal on video all of our podcast on video and much more so we have this wonderful set here i actually we have a real legitimate camera um alex hample our video guy is uh executive producer here is actually like overseeing things this is stuff the can't wait podcast has never seen before this is incredible <laughs> we've we've gone to a new level with what's the, going the on camera well, quality you have right now you, yeah. you look so dashing today tim Thank you. I appreciate it. I almost, I almost, I got up here and I was like, oh, maybe I should have brought my makeup. Get, get a lot of, get a lot of comments about my lack of hat, by the way. I've, yes. <laughs> so people are really coming. paying attention to the, to the, to the fashion choices we have. So yeah. All right. <laughs> we have, uh, we have delayed enough. Let's get into this football <laughs> game. Uh, we're going to break things down. Mike White's performance, uh, red zone failures, the defense, which was once again, kind of Jekyll and Hyde in this game. Um, although they came through late as they usually do. Um, but let's start with Mike White. Second start of the season. Um, I mean, they let this guy sling it, Zach. <laughs> it is a different offense. Uh, 31 of 57. This is back to like the Joe Flacco first couple yeah. weeks of the season passing attack. 369 yards, uh, no touchdowns and two interceptions. He kind of bookended this game with the interceptions, which wasn't great. The one early on. And then, of course, the one that we'll talk more about late with the Jets with a chance to win it. Um, 
that was one thing that stood out on the negative side was obviously you don't want to turn the football over and he did twice uh, cousins did not at all the other thing that was different to me from his first start and let me know how it felt when you're in the stadium there but he just felt a little off with the accuracy like behind guys a lot um not so much that they shouldn't be catching the ball necessarily, but just a, a different level that now he did thread the needle a few times, yes. but overall there was just a number of passes where he's just a little off. Yeah, he, he definitely was not perfect. Um, and he was going to check downs maybe a little bit, even too much early in the game. They, they, I think there was four, there was a stretch where they had four straight third down passes, third and long to Ty Johnson, which were unsuccessful. Um, and it's, you know, it's, you never know like what the play call was and whether it was him checking down. I mean, he he's known for checking down. Uh, he's, he'd rather be safe than force it kind of thing. There, there were like a few of those misses, like like there was the Corey Davis like drop where I think Davis was clear, clearly mugged. Um, Mike maybe and the interception behind. was also not like like that was catchable too. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, the one to Corey Davis. There's the a couple tip. like Tyler Conklin plays where Tyler should have reeled it in and they were good throws. I think there was more good than bad, but yeah, it wasn't a perfect game. You know, they were bad in the red zone. That was the story of the game one for six in terms of touchdowns. And you're, when you lose by five points, you can just point to that as the reason why, like even beyond the interceptions like that, that was, that was the loss there. It was the red zone. And, you know, I think you could talk about, we'll probably talk about the play calling a little bit. I had some questions about the play calling, especially in the red zone area, but um, you know, Mike white is responsible for the decisions he makes in there in a lot of ways. And I, I don't think he always made the right decision, but yeah, there, he, he made some truly impressive throws. And I, it, it was, it was the point where, you kind of thought they were going to win the game. He got the ball twice uh, at the end there, and they were not able to get in the end zone. The Braxton Berrios one uh, obviously was the toughest one where he dropped it, where he, where he was falling to the ground. At, um, although on, on that, again, that, this goes back to play calling. Like there, there was no running backs in the backfield on that play. So you're not really even tricking them into thinking you might run it, which I didn't really get. So all the, he, Mike White even said all the other receivers were covered, and Braxton was kind of the only place he could go, and he threw it to him well, I thought. Even though he he took like he's like I could have thrown it better I could have placed it better like Mike White put it all on himself which fans obviously loved based on the recent history of the quarterbacks <laughs> here um, but I yeah I, I, I would probably give Mike like a B if I yeah. was grading him I he he did the, he did his job you felt like he was he put them in position to win you know he brought them into the red zone six times which you know is something to be said for that you you, know, you got to finish those drives but the throw he had to Corey Davis on fourth and ten in the fourth quarter in a key moment after he just got like lit up the play before that. And he was like slow to get up. He said his ribs hurt. And then he delivers that ball. Like I, I tweeted the video of it a little while ago that that was one of the better throws I've seen this season out of a Jets quarterback. I mean, I, you can say what you want about that, but he had a couple throws like that where he, he kind of, he, he fitted into a tight window and he, he's clearly not afraid to, to take shots when he has to. And like the moment really just never seems too big for him. Like, you know, Zach Wilson's a young quarterback. So you get it to a degree, but you could just kind of could other than that Steelers game, it, it did kind of feel like you could sense some nervousness with him. And that's kind of why he was missing the easy throws. Like I, the, you didn't feel that with Mike White. And when you go into the locker room after the game, nobody felt it. And I don't know. I, I, I wrote about this. I came out of that game. It, it stinks that we even have to talk about it in a way like if he's bad next week, what are they going to do? Like they, he shouldn't have to play with like the fear of losing his job. I think he's right. shown enough in two games that, He's clearly good enough to lead a good team to the playoffs. Like they should have beat the Vikings. Like the, it was the whole solid Robert Sala likes to say all the time, you know, most games are in this league are lost, not won, And they lost that game for sure. I, I think they were better than the Vikings personally, like talent wise and all that. Uh, they shut down Justin Jefferson, which we'll get into. Um, 
I think Mike White is good enough. Uh, I mean, the Bills are obviously going to be a big test, but the Bills are the hardest defense left on the schedule. If you look at the rest of the schedule, you know, the Lions don't have a great defense. They're good, but the Lions don't have a great defense. The Jaguars look terrible right now. The Seahawks defense isn't very great, I would say. Uh, they've been more like offensive base, it seems like. Uh, and then the Dolphins, I, I don't think their defense is particularly amazing either. So you get through the Bills game, and then the rest of the slate looks winnable. Like, even if they... I'm getting ahead of myself now because we're supposed to just be talking about Mike White. But <laughs> like my, my point being like if they if they lose next week and you go to Zach Wilson, I, I think their chances of making the playoffs reduce. If you lose next week and you stick with Mike White, I think you still have a chance because you just have just have to win three out of four of the last last game. It's just doable, if not hard. And I feel more confident in Mike White, who's been playing and playing better than Zach Wilson, than a guy who's been playing with the practice squad for a few weeks coming in. It's it, it's gonna be hard not to refer to the Zach Wilson stuff, but I wish we honestly could just like t- focus on Mike White and I have to talk every week about whether he's still the guy because I, I think they should just stick with him and I don't know if they need to announce it but I think they should stick with him I think they should announce it I think you're right I think take the take the pressure off and just say hey this the rest of this season is yours um you know obviously you can change your mind if he throws six interceptions against somebody even if you said it was his game the rest of the season you can always change, go back on that, but that doesn't change the fact that like a vote of confidence, I think, means something right now. Um, one thing we've talked about a lot this season, actually, with the podcast, is the fact that like the perspective on this, right? Like, if this was, if this Jets team was what we kind of thought they would be at this point, which is maybe a couple games under five hundred or or whatever, struggling along, just trying to take that next step, but not be in playoff contention necessarily yet. And you fall behind 20 to three on the road at Minnesota and battle back and have two chances to win it in the fourth quarter. We'd be like, whoa, that what a great performance by this team. But because they're in the position they are, it's it's a disappointment. But like, I don't think that takes anything away from White. Um, And I will say that. I think you got to give him a lot of credit for the comeback, not just the throws he made and chipping away and getting back in it, but just like the belief this team has in him, like you said. And and the quote from Garrett Wilson really stood out to me, right? Garrett Wilson after the game saying, I'd go to war for that boy. He's got something special about him. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think Garrett Wilson's the only one, but it, it's interesting coming from Garrett Wilson because this is the same guy who a couple of weeks ago was saying different things about the other quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, a lot of the stuff that the Jets have been doing, and I know some of it's probably overblown, like the T-shirt stuff. But the reality is, these guys are wearing a Mike F and White T-shirt on in a in a video when they're getting on the plane to Minnesota, fully well knowing how everybody's going to react to it, and they did it anyway. You know, guys like Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama and Braxton Berrios, like these are all dudes that you know. C.J. Uzama wore a Zach Wilson shirt in training camp, which has been resurfacing, and Braxton Berrios is Zach Wilson's best buddy, and these guys are all like throwing. Them. I mean. You're going to throw your support behind the quarterback, which I think is in their head what they think they're doing. But, you know, I don't know. You, you just see all this stuff over and over again about everybody believing in Mike and and everybody rallying around him. And, like, again, believing that they were going to win that game, which I don't know you you had many Jets teams in the past where that was the case. Like, you didn't – it was 20-3, to three and and then when, when they went into halftime, they didn't really have that much momentum. I said I still think they can come back because I they Kirk Cousins was not looking particularly good, and I, I thought the, the Jets defense, again, was going to – pick up the pace which they kind of did after that rough first quarter um and yeah I, I, I just felt confident mike white he was none of the throws he made were like so bad like he never made even in, even like the interception or um you know there were some pl- there were some plays where he went to the wrong guy maybe like elijah moore was open down the field kind of thing but he he was he was doing his job again like he's doing exactly what he has to do and again i know 
if you look at the stat line, he didn't throw any touchdowns and he had two picks. He did rush for that touchdown. Uh, that was really close. That was their one red zone touchdown. But I don't know. I, he he's he's the guy I would roll with the rest of the way. Um, it, it complicates things because they really do want Zach Wilson to to get a chance to come back and and they still believe in him or say they do and all that stuff. And I, Rich Simini wrote about how John Beck, uh, his personal QB coach, had come back into the building this week to hang out. To I don't know what he did exactly, but he was back. I don't think they're hiring him back or anything, but um, they, they clearly committed to fixing Zach. But what that means, I don't know. I I say you see what you have in Mike White. Keep rolling with him. I I don't think the Bills game should decide what happens after that. And it might be tempting to bring back Zach Wilson after that because the Lions defense isn't very good, even if the Lions are a better team now. But I, I don't know. I, I it shouldn't all hang on this next game. Even though I, I don't, I'm not saying I think Mike White's gonna have a bad game or anything. I, but the Bills are, are pretty good, obviously, and I think they're probably better than they were the last time the Jets played them. They have Tre'Davious White back. They don't have Von Miller. I'm not to step on the previews for later in the week, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing because. I I come I came out of the game yesterday. It was like the most positive I remember. Even the fan base being after a loss, like most of the negativity is being thrown at Mike Lafleur. Not really much being thrown at the players, other than like the George Fant penalty, which is pretty bad in, in the red zone, uh, where he had a block in the back on a play where he did not have to do that. Um, but most of the, the criticism has been directed towards Mike Lafleur. Everybody else, you know, every, everybody seems supportive of Mike White, both in the locker room and outside of it, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they have the quarterback to lead them to the playoffs. It's a tough stretch coming up, but I, I think that I think they'll still make the playoffs if they keep Mike White at quarterback. Personally, let's get into Lafleur a little bit more. Then, um, you know, Barrios over the middle in the end zone, the drop. It felt like the just maybe he's not the guy that you said everyone else has covered, but he's not the guy that should be in that spot necessarily. Um, and the other thing that stood out to me is we said it the fifty-seven pass attempts. Yeah, um, too many when they were running the ball pretty well, right? Like, I mean, Bam Knight, 15 carries, 90 yards. He also had five catches in the game. He looks like a, a legit great fill-in guy that they picked up undrafted. Incredible. Um, another tip of the cap to Joe Douglas there. But, like, the run game was effective when they went to it in this game. And then they, you know, a lot of that, there was the big chunk run by Knight. But it seemed like they just didn't go to it. I know they were down 20 to three. And at that point you, you have to throw the ball. Um, yeah. But in that fourth quarter, I think they could have run it more. Yeah. And you know, they had a couple of those drives that, especially towards the end where they, well, including the Braxton Berrios one with the fourth down play, um, you know, the, the George fan penalty, I, it, that was one of those reverses to bright Braxton Berrios that Michael Flores just committed to doing every time they get close to the end zone. And I, I, I don't really get it. I, I would give those plays to Elijah Moore if you're going to do those, but, even then, like Bam Knight is good at getting tough yards, and I thought they should have kept trying to hand it off to to Bam Knight when they got to the goal line. Personally, um, I think maybe that's where you miss Michael Carter a little bit because that's his specialty is kind of those short yardage situations. Yeah, yeah. There, I don't know. Lafleur again. I, I think a lot of times criticism for offensive coordinators is way overblown. I don't think an offensive coordinator can almost do right a lot of in a lot of ways because fans just expect the offense to score almost every single time they get the ball. And like, not every play is going to be executed perfectly and, and all that stuff. But I, some of the decision, like pulling running backs out of the play when it's third or fourth and short and making it clear that you're not going to run the ball, the, the way they give Barrios the ball a little too much and Elijah Moore, not the ball enough. And there, there's one, 
there's one spot late in the game where Bam Knight ran for like 15 yards, and on the next play they put in James Robinson, who didn't gain any yards. So I he he does something sometimes, and the you know the Ty Johnson stuff on third down, and I don't know. It, he he does a good job of getting them to to the red zone, and then for whatever reason the, this game they I mean you would hope that they're never going to go one for six in the red zone again. That's hard to do. Right. They almost were zero for six because it was a fourth down uh, sneak up the middle that was initially called short uh, for Mike White. And then he they reviewed it and he got in. <clears throat> so one almost over six, which I imagine would have been like a record of some sort. Um, it's they've been very maybe I'm wrong. You correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but they they're not a good QB sneak team, right? Like I, I can't remember a time when like you picture certain teams, and I think it's something there's a feel there for a quarterback where you wait the second, let things settle, and then you lunge forward. And I noticed White just went right away. I think it's something some quarterbacks are better at than others, but this yeah. Jets team, it feels like every time they try to go quarterback sneak for a yard or less, it's never easy. It's never that like plunge forward for two yards. It's always barely, if they get yeah, it, yeah. It's, it goes to replay to prove that they got it. And it's it, the same. It, it, I almost feel like they should yeah. take the QB sneak and just throw it out of the playbook. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to, I forget what the success rate is supposed to be something like 80 or 90% or like something crazy like that. I think it's, well, you think of Tom Brady, right? He always yeah. gets the yardage. Like, and he's, he's just he's as slow as can be. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes on on the Kelsey podcast had like a great anecdote about how his like kneecap got messed up on a on a QB sneak once, and his like knee kneecap was like in his like all the way down in his calf or something insane like that. Because <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, it's a it's a risk. It's like a scary. Play. I imagine it's that's like a scary play for a quarterback almost because yeah. you're just going into the pile of all these large men trying to kill you. <laughs> um, but it Mike Mike White, but you know, I I think. You could see that he he does lack some mobility because there were a couple of times where he he had some green in front of him that he didn't really scramble for, um, but yeah, that I actually didn't think he was going to get in even before it went in. Like you said, it's kind of like with the Jets, it seems like you have just like a feeling the QB sneaks aren't going to work. Um, but yeah, you know, to go back to the floor, I I think overall, if you evaluated a season, I think he's done a pretty good job this season. Yeah, I uh, agree, especially because overcoming Zach Wilson the way he did for so many games. Uh, especially that Bills game, you know, we're gonna, I'm sure, refer to that a lot this week. Um, but yeah, I, I think his play calling left a little bit to be desired. I'm curious to see some of his explanations for some of the decision making he made. Um, ultimately, they didn't get the job done. And if you if you're one for six in the red zone, it comes down to the quarterback and the play calling because that that's like a, a ridiculous amount of times to get to the red zone and not get touchdowns. Like Greg Zerline. Like, he's gonna fly it into the radar almost, but dude made five field goals. One of them, including 60 a sixty-yarder, yeah. yeah, which like is a franchise it, record. Like he looks, he looks like the Legatron of old when he was like the viral kicker of the moment. Like he's, he's legit. Like I, I didn't see this happening. Like I thought he should, be, he would, should be solid for them. But they, I mean, knock on wood, they they found their kicker finally, and they were in that game because of him. It was, at one point I tweeted, uh, it was the, the scores Vikings twenty, Greg Zerline fifteen, because that he had gotten every one of their points at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I think as bad as it looked with the red zone stuff, I view it as a positive going forward because the fact that they were able to move the ball down the field that much, like you're not you're not going to go one for six every week. Like there's just no way. Like, and I think they have the the players to get in the end zone. Um, you know, I think that they waited a little too long to get he, Garrett Wilson wound up like 15 targets, so it's hard to say this, but he didn't get a target until the second quarter. And um, I think you got to feature him early and often. He's that guy is an absolute star. I'm sure you we wanted to get into him a little bit, but uh him and him and Mike White have a clear connection. Uh they need to fix some stuff like the like Tyler Conklin had a rough game. I don't know if playing in Minnesota had something to do with it. 
CJ Uzama had a nice play, but man, that, that dude is so slow that he like would have scored a touchdown <laughs> if not for that. Like he, he's like Joe Flacco of tight end in terms of speed. Um, and uh, you know, dental Mims kind of faded. Corey Davis had one of those, one of the classic Corey Davis games where he made some brutal mistakes in the beginning. He had like two penalties, a drop, and then he made all these great catches as the game went on. It's like the, the classic because fans will like jump on him immediately because they're just waiting for him to make a mistake. And then everybody pretends like they didn't jump on him later in the game. When actually yeah. not to br- I know people hate when I bring up Connor, but th- it was a, there was a nice classic reverse Connor Hughes jinx because he he wasn't he was like watching the game on his iPad or something. He said and he's like, I'm, I'm not really watching, but I see Corey Davis is messing up. And I think they clearly should be sending those targets to Denzel Mims. And then from that point forward, Corey Davis had a great game. So Corey heard him. Yeah, uh, he did, though. The opening drive, he had the uh, the hold on the outside on a run, on a nice run. And then the interception went off his hands like right away. And it was yeah. like, oh, man. But then although yeah, he was he getting up... he was getting mugged on that interception, though. Yes. Hands were pissed yeah, about he was. That. There was some uh, there was some question. I I know I'm not like a blame the referees guy, but there was some questionable like calls, non calls in that game that I know fans are pretty upset about. But um, that was one of them for sure. He was definitely getting mugged before the ball got there. Uh, okay, we need to take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit no, about quick though, Tim. We got some breaking news from your oh, side of the field. I know baseball. I know, what I know I have to I'm trying to like do things to set things in motion <laughs> for later for coverage, but yeah, Justin, Justin Verlander, Verlander to the, to Mets. the Mets. Oh wow. So they replaced uh DeGrom with Verlander, huh? Can't wait podcast where you get all your New York sports information. Eighty six million dollars two years reported by John Hayes. Eighty six million over two years? Well, I know, and I know Mets fans. Oh we're just going to become a baseball podcast right now. I know Mets fans wanted to bring back Jacob Degrom, but to be perfectly honest, like five years, one hundred eighty-five oh million. Oh my god, Jacob Degrom! I mean, Justin Verlander will probably make sixty starts in these two years, and Jacob Degrom may make sixty starts in five years. So I, I think this is the way to go. For, I think this is a big win for the Mets. I know they wanted to bring back, obviously, a franchise player and a guy who's going to go into the Hall of Fame probably, and you want him to be a lifetime Met. But like, if you want to win right now, if you're going to spend $40 million on somebody, I'd bet on Verlander right now, even though he's 40. But anyway. I mean, he just won, two, the, Cy, he just won the Cy Young. So he's still good. The Cy yeah. Young, coming off Tommy John surgery. Yeah, I mean. All right. Okay, and he, uh, he's in, he's, uh, he wants to get to 300 wins, and he's at 244. So he needs three or four great seasons. And he needs to be Tom, the Tom Brady of baseball, basically, to get the 300 wins. So there's motivation there as well. Uh, anyway, that's enough baseball. Let's, <laughs> let's right, take a break. To, you know, we had to bring it up. No, because, I know there's yeah. a lot of Mets fans in this pod. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Wow, we got a lot going on here. I'm trying to 
do a lot on my phone while doing this. But back back to football we go. Um, and I did want to get a little more into Garrett Wilson. You mentioned the no targets in the first quarter, Zach, which actually I, when I, I was watching the game on the flight out here and taking notes, and I noted that, like, you know, throughout yeah. the first quarter, I was actually making a mental note. Okay, he still hasn't thrown it to, to Garrett. He still hasn't thrown it to Garrett. And we get to the first quarter, and I was like, where where is this going to head, right? Because Garrett obviously didn't like not being targeted by Zach. Um, yeah. but then here they come 15 targets over the last three quarters of this game. Um, and he made the most of them. He was obviously great. Eight catches, 162 yards. Uh, he almost had what would have been a huge touchdown at the time, uh, made a nice juke move to get back inside, but stepped on the line, uh, was ruled out of bounds. And of course they had to settle for a field goal on that drive as they did on just about all the drives. But I mean, he, he took a, I don't want to say he took a leap. He's had these huge games before, but like the the 15 targets was neat to see because that's that's by far the most he's gotten in a game, right? And I saw the yeah. it's the most yards by a Jet since Eric Decker in 2014 when he had 221. But this is what the offense needs to do: is feed Garrett Wilson. Man, he he's a he's a star, man. Like I, we've talked about it, but you just get reminded of it every week. It, he could have had over 200 yards because there there's a play in the fourth quarter where Mike. He burned the corner down the field and Mike overthrew him uh, by like a little bit. It would have been like an 86 yard touchdown and we'd be talking. There'd be a much different conversation right now. Um, but, you know, they they should be they should feel they should feel happy that they got this kid because he's kind of been their entire offense, uh, especially since Brees Hall went down. And he he just does so many things. The other the defense knows that he's they're going to go the, go to him and they were. They were sending coverage over to him. He was still getting the ball, getting open. Mike White was finding him, finding him in like tight windows across the middle of the field. Uh, he gets yards after the catch. Like you said, he almost scored that long catch and run where he t- stepped out of bounds. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, the sky's the limit for this kid. And, and the pace he's on over the last five games, I think over like a full season would be something like 1,500 receiving yards or something. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see how defenses start defending him because he, he's uh, he's the real deal. And uh, you know, at this rate, he might, he's going to have a chance at offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And I, and if he gets that yardage, that would be a Jets record, right? For a rookie. I think Keyshawn Johnson has the, uh, well, they, record, even had, they haven't even had, even had a thousand yard receiver, I think since that right. Eric Decker season. Uh, so it's, uh, they've been waiting for a guy. They've been trying to find a guy like this for a long time and they have the weapons around them. Uh, the other guys are a little less consistent than him, but I, again, like I, when we talked at the beginning of the season, I think my prediction was that you would see him come into his own as the season progressed. I thought he would have been coming into his own right now. And in a way he is, but he's been this good since really week two, uh, that, that Browns game. Um, so that they'd be lost without him. Like they, they, he's a, he's a big reason why they're still, I still think they can beat just about anybody because he, when, as long as they have him, whoever's that quarterback, just get him the ball. Like it's, that's the simplest thing they can do. Well, and that's what they couldn't do. That's the, yeah. the irony, right? It's yeah. Like, they're, just, just get him the ball and they couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna get, it's gonna be interesting to see how the Bills defend him. Uh, I'm sure they'll put Tre'Davious White on him. Uh, I, it's it's kind of like with Sauce on the other side. Like I'll be I'll believe someone can stop him when they finally do it. His ability to make plays after the catch is what kind of makes him so special, and he gets open because of his athleticism uh, in his route running. So, uh, you know, Joe Douglas hitting on Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson within the top ten within the same draft is pretty wild. He get, he got two guys that are I think. You know, we're going to sit here next year or year or two years from now and say these are two guys that are top five or top 10 at their positions, which 
is pretty hard to find. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's impressive. And if they can get, if they, they can get Elijah Moore going or like finally like get, start getting him the ball, then it's going to be really hard to stop this offense. And it's, you think back to the draft, right? And there was a lot of talk about how there wasn't like the Lamar chase in this draft. There wasn't like the bona fide big time, you know, number one receiver in the draft. The Jets found one. I mean, there was. We just, uh, I guess, the, you know, the draft gurus of the world didn't give Garrett Wilson really enough credit from what I'm seeing. Well, this this class is kind of ridiculous in terms yeah. of the rookie receiver. Again, and I feel like every year it seems like now they're, they're bringing all these studs because Christian Watson has like eight touchdowns in four games. Uh, Drake London's been pretty good. Chris Olave has more receiving yards than Garrett, I believe. Uh, Jamison Williams just made his debut. Like this, this receiver class is pretty ridiculous. And I think the Jets might have gotten the best one for all I know. I, I, I'd, I'd put my money on Garrett being the best one out of this class, honestly. Like I just, I, he's got he's got that mindset. He's really smart. Um, like Mike White. So I asked Mike White earlier in the week, like, what's it like? Like, you know, it seems like you're building some chemistry with Garrett. And uh, he started going into detail about like Garrett's so good at he'll point stuff out to me that I, I didn't even think about. And, you know, he'll be like, he'll tell me about how I should have gone this way or that way with him or like he should be doing this in his route or something. And then and then. Mike's like, you know, and then, and then I think about it. And I'm like, he was right about that. So Garrett sees the game in a different way, which I think is an underrated part of him because you think athleticism and all that stuff. But I think he's a very smart, heady player. Uh, he's an emotional, competitive guy, which, you know, you saw when he had that rant after the press conference and all that stuff. But, yeah, he's he's impressed me quite a bit. And if you, if you want to feel optimistic about the Jets' future, it's it, on offense in particular, it starts with him and Brees Hall getting healthy. And, you know, they have all this talent now on offense where – I. I think a lot of times in the past they were looking for a receiver to just be consistent and healthy all the time and stuff like that. Like they had solid guys over the years, like Jameson Crowder and stuff like that. They have not had a guy like this. And it's, uh, it's why I, I'm st I still believe even if they lose to the bills again, like I, they had, they, this, this team is talented enough. This team is too talented not to make the playoffs. Like it, it would be disappointing at this point, which we, we've talked about over and over again. Like it's going to be interesting to see how the fans react if they miss because expectations were adjusted when they started as hot as they did. But Garrett Wilson is one of the I, I wrote this in my story. Like if if there's if you want three reasons why you should feel confident that this team is gonna be okay, it's the defense, it's if they keep Mike White a quarterback, and it's Garrett Wilson. Those are the three things. So um he he's he's worth celebrating if you're a, if if you're gonna rank the guys that whose jerseys you should got buy that you're you can be confident they'll be here a while. Cause a lot of times you get excited about a guy and then it goes to disaster the year later. Uh, I would say Sauce Gardner number one and number two, Garrett Wilson. Your buddy jerseys. Joe in his uh, Tim Tebow jersey last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing Timeless. Ohio. You think about Ohio State though with Wilson Olave at receiver on, on the, the same, same team. team. Yeah, just you know, I mean, that's not even fair. Um, all right, before we get to the defense, one more thing on the offense: George Fant replacing Max Mitchell um, after the game. Robert Sala saying that Mitchell just wasn't effective enough, right? That's why he made that move. Yeah, he said that Max Mitchell was not playing well. I, he's probably. Fair in that. I don't know how great Fant played. I haven't seen the like the PFF numbers with pressures. Um, Fant had a had that brutal penalty that I mentioned, the block in the back on the Braxton Berrios reverse to the outside. Um, I, I think Berrios probably could have cut back to the left, and then it wouldn't have to be a penalty. But like that, that that, that his Fant's block was not going to impact the play in any way, and he did it right in front of the officials and stuff. So that was a really bad penalty. It pushed them back, and then they weren't they had to settle for a field goal, I believe, on that drive. Um, so that was pretty rough, but. You know, ultimately, you know, people, I feel like I've forgotten how good George Fant was last year. 
because he struggled to start this year because his knee was hurting. If he's healthy, he's probably your best option right now. I get the argument, and I agree with it, that maybe Max Mitchell's the guy you want to be your starter long-term, so you should play him and work through his kinks. But they're paying George Fan a decent amount of money. You know, who knows if Dwayne Brown will be able to get it through the season. His shoulder is, is pretty rough. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of get them going to George Fan. I'm curious to see if they if they just roll with him now at right tackle. I get the impression they will. All right, let's take another quick break. Then we're going to talk about defense. We'll talk about DJ Reed uh, and Jefferson and that showdown because it ended up being more of that than it was sauce. Yeah. But we'll talk about the defense as a whole and how once again, after the break, they were great. We'll be right back. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Marissa, you've been monitoring the chat and it's it's an interesting day, I think, because it's not a victory Monday, but it was there was a lot of good things we could take out of that game. So what's the vibe like in the chat today? Yeah, I would definitely say the negativity is at a, at a low. Um, there's obviously still some of that in there, but like overall, I feel like the vibes are pretty good. I do see some comments that have kind of surprised me that like expect them to go back to Zach Wilson. And like, it's just a matter of time and this, he's really their guy. And are they wasting time with Mike White? So that was a little interesting to me, but, um, also some, you know, not want to get ahead about playoffs and not getting too hyped about that because (laughs) I feel like Jets fans have had a rough few years that they don't want to, you know, on December 5th declare the playoffs, but I would say overall, like, I mean, we've been monitoring, I've been monitoring this chat for three years now and, you know, <laughs> it's a different a chat week, than it used to be. That's for totally. sure. That's what I was saying. It's the most positive Jets fans have been after a loss in a long time. Yeah, exactly. And, and Minnesota, we've talked about it is a tough environment to play in on yeah. the road. It's, it's a loud stadium, you know, they're a good team. So I think that like, it basically came down to the very end like that. I, I, I get the vibe that Jets fans are, are not uh too too upset that it's not a victory monday obviously it would be much better if they were celebrating the win because it would improve their playoff odds obviously but uh, i i get good vibes so we'll see how how that lasts into next week again yeah they could change by next monday all right let's talk about the the defense a little bit because 
Obviously, the second half, the defense was great. It allowed this team to, to get back in the game. They really started the tone in the third quarter because there was a spot here where the Vikings had the ball They with because the Jets went for it on fourth down and didn't get it late in the second quarter. The Vikings, the defense held them to a field goal. And then the Jets were able to go down and get a field goal. But then the Vikings start the second half of the ball. And that was a, a stretch where if they give up the touchdown and then the Vikings get the ball back, this game just could become a blowout. But the Jets hold them to the field goal, get their own field goal, and then coming out of the into the third quarter, it's a quick three and out, and they get the ball back over to the uh, to the offense. So the second half defense was tremendous, which is what we say every single week. But the first half, Zach, they were getting gashed on the ground. I mean, Dalvin Cook just breaking off, you know, double-digit yard runs throughout that first half. There was a couple of – the two touchdown runs were – way too easy um i just don't understand the slow starts by the defense yeah it's concerning i will say that this one they were killed by penalties uh in a couple of those drives i think they had like something like 40 yards that came on penalties there was like defensive holding and and some stuff that was pissing fans off i know uh, but yeah you know they in the first half they had a hard time with i think Dalvin cook had 10 carries in each half in the first half it was like 10 for 50 yards in the second half it was like 10 for 30 yards so they clearly buckled down. I don't think they lost this game because of the defense, but yeah, the, they started a little slow, but it's always once the defensive line starts getting going because there was like a stretch in the third quarter, I believe, where Quinn and Williams just like wrecked an entire series where he had a tackle for loss and then a sack. He's up to nine for the year. Um, it's kind of flown under the radar because there's some ridiculous stuff going on with defense. Like Nick Bosa had three sacks. Micah Parsons is still dominating. Like there's some great defensive players in the league right now, but he's one of them. Um and in the second half, they were pretty much perfect other than the one drive where they gave up a few big plays and then Justin Jefferson scored on DJ Reed, which we'll get into because it's kind of been like a viral thing now. Um, but yeah, you know, those slow starts, it's they have to stop. They, they, they can't do that every week. Like they have right. to figure out what the problem is there. The Bills are a team that you can't really fall behind too bad. I know they did against the Bills in the last time, um, but I don't, the, the Bills are kind of like on a mission right now. I think they're the one seed technically right now. Like they, they they're not, if they, if they get swept by the Jets, then I think Bills fans are going to be pretty upset. Um, so they can't start slow. That defense can't start slow, especially, you know, you're going against Stefan Diggs. You're going against all the talent that the Bills have. Josh Allen uh, seems like he's getting healthy. Um, and so, yeah, that, that part's concerning. But again, they, they bounce back in such a way that, you know, if they get the support from the offense and they win. So, um, I'm I'm not like concerned about the defense. I, I think there's still some their safeties I think have been pretty rough. Uh like we haven't talked about it as much because they haven't been given up as many obvious big plays, but they were pretty bad in that game. I thought Lamarcus Joyner in particular, like him and Whitehead have had trouble tackling, but Joyner was rough in coverage. Um so that's something that I think teams are gonna be attacking the middle of the field a lot. Uh and they, they need a, the tackling is still an issue. They need to fix the tackling. I don't really know what's going on there. They need to get the tackling work working it, it, again. It got better as the game went on. I think Quincy Williams had a couple of big tackles and, and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, uh, you know, I, the, that defensive line, when it's playing its best, this defense can run with anybody because you have those corners you trust at the back end. They stopped, they shut down Justin Jefferson. He had 40 something yards, which is not something that he does very often. He had the touchdown, which obviously was the difference in the game, but they did a great job on him. Adam Thielen. I don't even know if he had any catches. Honestly, I don't remember him having any catches. He had two catches. Uh, for 27 yards. TJ Hawkinson, they did a pretty good job on, um, and they sh shut down the run in the second half. So th this it, it's a very good defense that starts with that D-line, which is just loaded uh, deep. Quinn Williams was dominant. Um, 
their defensive ends. Carl Lawson is starting to look good. So I, they're in really good shape there. But yeah, they need to start. They need to start faster against good teams at the very least. All right, let's get into you teased it a little bit. Um, we're used to Sauce Gardner being the the talker right <laughs> on this defense, and you would think Jefferson and Sauce, but Jefferson ended up on Reed a lot more than he ended up on Sauce. So here's the quote that you had mentioned that went viral a little bit from DJ Reed. I was in his shit all game. He got that one route on me, so I'm frustrated, but I felt like I did a great job containing him. It's just frustrating because I don't want to give up a touchdown. I don't want to be the reason my team loses. I'm going to look at it and see what I could have done better on the play. Other than that, I held my own against him, which props to Reed for taking a step back from that, too. I, I love the beginning of the quote, obviously, I was <laughs> shit all day. But then he says, like, you know what? I'm going to go back and look at the one time he burned me and see what I could have done better. <laughs> the funny part about that moment was, so I'm in the locker room. I'm, I'm like walking over because he's about to talk to some people. Um, and I hear him say that quote, but I didn't have my recorder on yet. So when I get over there, I say, Hey, DJ, sorry if you were asked this already, but how'd you feel like you guys did against Justin <laughs> Oh, you Jefferson? were that guy, huh? The sorry if you've oh, already he, answered he was, this guy. He was so committed to getting that quote out there that he said the exact <laughs> same thing again. <laughs> and he elaborated <laughs> on it a little bit. And I was able to get on video. Now my video, <laughs> because Justin Jefferson quote tweeted me. So much oh, nice. Like, and uh, I think I pulled up what he tweeted here. He said, in what shit with the laughing emojis? You can't talk ha having safety help. Call me when you coach. Trust you to go one-on-one. -on -one. And, and then yeah, DJ, but then, but then DJ Reed had a like professional, like kind of funny response where he's like, well, yeah, you're the best receiver. So obviously our safety was going to, going to help. Like, you're, you're their best, receiver, but you know, great. We're win. not going to give, we're he's not like, going to give you one-on-one like, one coverage. He's man. like, we, we, but we stopped you at other than the touchdown, uh, but good win. Good job. <laughs> like DJ hey. Reed took like kind of the high road, but also it was like, I mean, yeah, what <laughs> we're going to try and win. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Kind of things so that, that was kind of funny to me, but like you said, DJ Reed, not someone you would necessarily expect to be like the trash talker kind of thing like that. But also DJ Reed wears his heart on his sleeve in a lot of ways. Like he's a guy early in the season, if you remember, that was like the, I don't know, we need to have a meeting between the defensive coaches and, and the players and figure out our communication issues. Like this is a guy that he says what he's feeling. He also just had a kid, so I'm sure he hasn't been sleeping that much lately. So maybe that has something to do with it. But um, yeah, I, they... I, look again this is the best receiver in the world I, I don't think that's even almost debatable at this point with jefferson and again they they, they held him you know he he's had at least 98 yards he had at least 98 yards in seven of 11 games before sunday and they held him to what i have the box score right here 47 for 45, 45. yeah seven for 45 like that's that's really good he had to work for every single yard he got um there's one there's one play where sauce didn't really wind up covering that much which i kind of expected because jefferson usually plays on the other side and ironically on the touchdown they actually switched Sauce and DJ Reed's sides. Uh, but then Justin Jefferson, when he came out of the huddle, went to the opposite side. So he wound up on DJ Reed. I don't know if they were trying to avoid Sauce or, or whatever, but it obviously worked. And I, I don't know if there was some confusion there because um, DJ didn't really get great coverage on him. But uh, they held their own. I They made Kirk Cousins. I mean, he is pretty average, honestly. I, yeah. When you watch Kirk Cousins as a person, I feel like he's always worse than you expect. <laughs> he's like one of those guys where, like, you look at the box scores at the end of Sundays when you're not watching a Vikings team. You're like, oh, he had a pretty good game. And then I watch him. I'm just he's just like so unimpressive to me. <laughs> like, he, I don't know how much Justin Jefferson has made him look better than he actually is or something. But, um, that yeah, they they held their own against another top receiver. They've done it all year. Uh, I think the interesting one is going to be the Dolphins game in Week 18, where you have a healthy Tyree Kill because I know he was banged up in that other game. Uh. Other than that, you know, they've shut down they shut down Diggs the last time, Jamar Chase. Like they every single time they go against a top receiver, they have not. I think 
football outsiders tracks like how teams do against number one receivers and the jets i think were number one going into this game so i imagine they're still number one uh and again that's why as they you look at the schedule they have some tough receivers coming up you have Diggs this week uh the lions um on ross st brown uh, metcalf metcalf yeah. on the on the seahawks with lockett uh tyree kill jalen waddle like that there's some really really good receivers on the schedule but at this point you have to assume that the jets are going to shut them down until somebody goes off on them no, no receiver has gone off on them so far you tight tight end is like a, a spot where you might worry a little more because you have the safeties and linebackers and but i don't know if there's really any tight ends that you're that scared of coming up on the schedule no not really because the lions traded away hawkinson and jaguars have evan ingram so i don't know I, I feel good about this defense going forward a lot of it has to do with sauce and dj and the d-line uh but if, if this team's going to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs, it'll come down to how the offense plays. Like you, you can't at th- this point in the season where the jets are, if they don't make the playoffs. Nobody's going to blame the defense for them not making it. They're going to blame the offense for all those games where they weren't able to get in the end zone and things like that. So it's uh it's pretty cut and dry to me. If Mike white is still the quarterback and, and the, the offense gets in the end zone in, in those red zone trips, and they're going to win some more games. And if not, then they're going to fall short. And if they fall short, it's going to be pretty, pretty tough pill to swallow considering they started, uh, you know, with the record they started. And if they if they don't make yeah. the playoffs, that means they only had probably two wins at the end of the year. And if you only needing three seems very doable. It still seems doable. And I don't feel any differently after that loss. All right. Before we say goodbye, because I know you have to head to the airport. Um, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously is a guy that people were immediately talking about going to the Jets um, early this season. Uh, he breaks his foot on Sunday. Um, terrible news for him and obviously for the Niners, who are now down to their third-string quarterback. But we have to look at this from a different perspective, Zach, and that is that the Niners went out and signed Josh Johnson off the Broncos practice squad. Um, Josh Johnson, of course, who has played for just Average about every team in the NFL <laughs> over his career. If you look up his his uh, career listing of teams he's not played for, but been on the practice squad or roster of, it's, it's truly remarkable how many teams Josh Johnson has been a part of. But, I mean, I can't believe the Niners went that direction when Chris Strebler was just sitting there. <laughs> I mean, he, he knows the offense. I mean, he... he, he the co- may, Maybe, maybe Mike LaFleur reached out to the Niners and was like, please don't do this. Please, please <laughs> leave Strebler here. We leave need Strebler. We need Strebler on our practice squad. <laughs> he is our guy. Don't take him. I don't know. but I, uh, <laughs> So Strebler remains part of this podcast. Thank you, San Francisco 49ers. By the way, I mean, everything ties back to the Jets. Baker Mayfield gets cut today because Sam Darnold has been good enough to, to be the, I mean, it was only one game, but it, it just, that, that whole situation is just wild. That quarterback class, everything that's transpired there with Baker Mayfield goes first and Sam Darnold is on his second team and Baker Mayfield's about to be on his third team. And it's wild the way the NFL works sometimes, but I we keep saying it, man, people, there's not many good quarterbacks out there. Yeah. Some people seem to think that May- Mayfield might get claimed by somebody. I, I, I'm skeptical of that, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting. The 49ers, Josh Johnson had a great game for the jets last year. Uh, I think he's better than Baker Mayfield at this point, but I don't know. That's maybe that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, but the Jimmy G thing, it is going to be something to keep an eye on because, you know, everybody in this fan base was talking about them signing him this offseason. I'm curious to see what this does for his free agency because yeah. he was on he was on on track to probably get over 30 million a year. Now he's coming off a foot injury. Guys hurt all the time. Uh, so I'm curious to see if he just stays in San Francisco now and competes with Trey Lance or whatever, because that, that might be the path. And, and, you know, maybe Mike White can play his way into at least a competition this this summer. I don't know. It's, the QB carousel is always fascinating and 
especially because this is the guy that everybody in the Jets fan base had their eye on. I'm very curious to see how it plays out now. I mean, I think instead of talking about the draft, again, Dane Brugler still hasn't been on this podcast <laughs> this year, so we could talk about that. But um, I think we're going to just be talking about quarterback uh, once we get late into the year, once the, the Jets um, say goodbye, whether that's in the playoffs or or before it. All right, we have to wrap things up. Uh, Zach, I know you have to get back to the tri-state area, so uh, safe travels, put on a warm coat between here and the airport. Hey, if you want to join The Athletic, you can do it right now. $2 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We will be back with you later this week with a full preview of the Bills game, which is now an absolutely huge game for the New York Jets. We'll talk to everybody.